It's time now for episode 43 of the Insecurity Show. Don't rock the voting machine. In this episode, we're going to discuss voting machine hacking. Visit our website at in-security.org. For other episodes, show notes to leave comments and stuff. And follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show. You can also send us feedback to feedback at in-security.org. And watch our YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, do all those things. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? Fantastic. We just completed an episode of homework on YouTube. We did. So, yeah. So if you want to see examples of how cross-site scripting works, we show a couple there and describe some of the other possible areas of cross-site scripting, although we don't get into all of them because apparently there's a lot. Yeah, there is. So as long as you did some, congratulations, you pass. And if you have methods or something that we didn't use and you want to share with us, please reach out and let us know. Also, for what it's worth, the link is on uh, is on our website, in-security.org. How have you been doing? I've been good. I've been uh, learning how to be Canadian, so... That's interesting. Learning to be Canadian. Yeah, I'm... I'm maple syrup in it up? Yep. I'm uh, learning to tap trees for maple syrup. No, I already know how to do that. But I am learning basic hockey skills, which I never learned. Nice. And now I will learn basic hockey skills and know how to Canadian it up. Very cool. It's a good workout, too. So... That's awesome. Trimming down the fat. That's great news. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've been... Working and playing on the internet. Nothing as fun as uh, fun thing. mapling some syrups. Yeah. I did come across an article that I thought was pretty funny that I thought I would share with you. This was actually, this falls under a bit of follow-up. What's that? So episode 41, we were talking about ransomware. And we were talking about how pervasive it is and how it starts to affect more and more devices and more and more, I guess, different things in general. The yeah article that i read we're gonna put it up in the show notes it was saying that now you know even your thermostat can get ransomware so basically they'll either turn it way up or turn it way down and then put a little message on it like all of these these new smart home right thermostats with little displays so in the uh, in the image it says ha you suck pay us one bitcoin to get control back Wow. Yeah. Reminds me of Mr. Robot a little bit. Pretty soon your your fridge will be held ransom. Your smart fridges. I don't I don't I don't even know what else. It's getting out of control. It's hilarious. That's interesting. Yeah, there's recently a big spree of distributed denial service attacks done by Internet of Things devices. Right. Called the Mirai botnet. At least that's the one that, you know, was a test pad. And it's because people throw on their devices onto the internet. Maybe they don't even realize that it's on the internet and the devices have default credentials. So admin and admin or whatever. Right. And people have used these to yeah, find these devices and compromise them. You know, they say that a lot of them are these oil and gas pipeline devices that monitor flows that are in like super remote regions. But uh, yeah, I, I know from a long time ago that some companies put out devices with default usernames and passwords, which might lead to long distance phone calls from bars to girlfriends in other cities. So, right. Yeah, that that is a thing. <laughs> um, there was the Internet of Things attack. I just wanted to mention really briefly because I I'd read about that as well. I thought that that was also pretty interesting. It was, you know, fridges and whatnot trying to take over the Internet. They had something like 150,000 Internet of Things devices 
that were all attacking simultaneously, and they said that it was over or close to one terabit per second for the simultaneous so, DDoS. So that's the one that attacked the French ISP that I don't remember the name of. There was another one before that that had attacked Krebson Security. It's the same same botnet, they think. And then there was one recently that uh, attacked the Dyn DNS servers that made things like Twitter inaccessible because, you know, now that everything's in the cloud, DNS records change so fast so that when you take down the authoritative DNS server for that, it can't tell you where the new location is. Right. So anyways, that's a thing that happened. And I guess Donald Trump couldn't send his mean, angry tweets for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, am I not supposed to get political again? Now that he's <laughs> he's had his uh, he's had his Twitter confiscated um, mm. on this the eve of our neighbors to the south's big decision day. Yeah. Uh, speaking of neighbors to the south's big decision day, this is a great segue. I like it. Right? I like how we're not calling it out that it's a segue. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So speaking of segues, what do you want to talk about today? Well. Donald Trump has made a bunch of claims that the election is rigged. You know, maybe maybe it's a pre-excuse. Maybe there's legitimacy in that claim. There's certainly things that I don't understand about the U.S. electoral system, such as electoral colleges and a bunch of stuff like that. So I'll stick to the stuff that I understand, which is the computers. And there's a lot of voting places that use computers to assist with uh, people making decisions on who they're voting for. What I did do some research looking up is that the U.S. has 3,144 counties and each of those counties is different. So you'll have like a bunch of those in the different states Um, and they seem to be, you know, clumped more densely in major cities. So like I'll use Philadelphia as an example, because that's some of the research that I saw. Uh, but Philly would be one county, but wider areas that's not so densely populated might be one county amongst many townships or whatever. Right. So that makes sense. Right. But something like Philadelphia, one county out of the 3,144 is split into different precincts or divisions, as they call it there. And it's Philadelphia itself has 1,686 different voting divisions. Okay. Each of those is supposed to, on average, get about 700 voters tomorrow coming in. They expect that many people to, to come in and vote, right? So there's 700 voters that are potentially using one or up to four, I'd guess, machines in one of these polling stations. Okay, seven... Roughly 700 voters yeah, for division. 1,600 divisions. Yeah, that should add up to roughly, I don't know. 1.1 million? That's what they're expecting to come out and vote because there's the people that have already voted beforehand. So what's the population of Philadelphia? If we're going to do math on the show live. What? <laughs> I guess the point I'm getting at is that there's a bunch of different places and, you know, if we're talking about attacking one single place through exploiting the machines, then you have to think about the massive amount of scale that would be necessary to to compromise the vote all over. So it sounds like if you could compromise all of the voting systems in one location, you can affect probably a maximum of about 700 votes. Okay. 
but these are machines, right? And the machines, like we've talked about so many times, they have vulnerabilities and they have weaknesses that can be exploited. Some of them are pretty bad, right? Some of them are pretty weak. My old laptop liked orange juice. <laughs> what? I had a laptop and it, uh, it drank an entire bottle of orange juice. I'd say that was a weakness. That's true. That's true. But I don't think you're... Me pouring orange juice on a laptop is necessarily the type of vulnerability we're talking about here. Right. All right. Fair I, I, enough. I don't know that you exploited that vulnerability in a way that would have a beneficial effect to your ulterior motives. No, I sort of curled up in a ball and got depressed for three months. There you go. So, yeah, here's a tip to you kids at home. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't give your laptop orange juice. Yeah. And you don't even have kids to do that for you. Yeah. No, I, I do these investigations on my own. Mm. Although I do have a kid that tests the tensile strength of uh, iPads by standing on them. Oh, isn't there a, a weigh yourself app? <laughs> nope. Hmm. But there is a how big does this kid have to be before the screen cracks? Oh. And have you <laughs> solved that yet? <laughs> yeah, it's cracked. All right. Oh, all right. Good. Good. Anyways, we got a little distracted here. Uh, yeah, so some some of the voting machines are pretty vulnerable. People have done tests on them. One that sticks out in my mind is a system called uh, WinVote, which kind of sounds like it maybe was corrupt to begin with. Uh, and that had all sorts of troubles with it. WinVote was notoriously the worst one. Yes, I would say WinVote was notoriously the worst one and therefore... They got such a bad rating, people can't use it. But it it's, you know, indicative that if you do a little research into these machines, you can find vulnerabilities, right? You need the research of the machines. You can't keep it a secret. And some people want to keep their voting machines a secret because they think that security through obscurity is good. Not WinVote. Not WinVote. They didn't want to keep it secret. They used passwords like admin. So that everyone would be able to find out everything about it. Yeah. Win, WinVote was definitely the worst one. A lot of voting machines are independent voting machines, right? So even if you have like four voting machines in a polling station, mm -hmm. they're not networked together usually. Right. And if they're not networked together, then they're definitely not networked to the internet. Well, isn't that a good thing generally? Yeah. It, uh, well, generally, I, I'd agree with that, that, it, that it's a good thing. And actually, some some of the polling stations are not even going to have voting machines. I should make a point that there's still, you know, pencil and Scantron sheet that gets fed into a machine. Right. Some places there's, you know, paper ballots. You fill in who you want to vote for on that. You can s circle in or write your own candidate on. I'm sure it's so different in so many different districts. The win voting machine, though, to continue with that thought did have a network that it would communicate over. Okay. It had a wireless network. And when we were talking about encryption, we had made a point to mention how bad WEP, Wired Equivalent Protocol, is for wireless. Yes. These machines use that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So you can basically sniff the password out of the air. I don't know if you would need to because by default, the password is ABCDE for the WEP key. <laughs> WEP was the... Uh that was the protocol that was so bad that the they forbade using it ever again. Pretty much. It was banished. Yeah, yeah. But it was still, you know, a, an access point for a bad person to get on onto the network. 
right. that was used by these voting machines. And once somebody was on the network, then they could remotely connect to the voting machine using the admin password, which is administrator and the password of admin, Jeez. and get into the voting machine. And then they're an administrator so they can change things like the database. Oh, and the system didn't capture any logs. So these are all the things that you basically <laughs> don't want your voting machine to do, right? Right. You want to capture logs. You want to have some sort of a record, I think, you know, so that people can can validate that uh, something wasn't tampered with generally. So anyways, those voting machines, terrible, not allowed to be used. So hopefully if you go into a voting station and you live in the United States, you don't see a win vote machine. They're by no means the only people who have had issues. It also had like chock full of vulnerabilities that hadn't been patched. I don't remember the OS, I think, was probably XP on it. So it was XP hasn't had a security update since 2004. This is true, but it's been discontinued out of support from Microsoft for probably three years or so. And then, yeah, the thing I was reading was saying that they were all made running XP. Mm. But you have other companies. Um, I remember back in 2004 when I was looking into this issue for the Canadian vote, we were starting to use uh, voting machines. Right. I was looking and seeing what was going on in the States, and there was a lot of brouhaha about Diebold's voting machines. Diebold's a company in the U.S. that makes like ATMs and stuff like that. And they got into the making voting machines stuff. Or maybe they bought it from somebody else and just figured they could run it like an ATM by hardening it physically. But it had a ton of vulnerabilities. So I think it had something like, you know, if you can get if you can add a USB key to it, you could get control over it. And it was vulnerable to things like SQL injection and whatnot. So you can manipulate the votes through that. You could, uh, yeah, basically have a a whole bunch of hacked code sitting on it. But I mean, these things all mean that you need physical access, right? Even with the win vote machine, you could win all the votes, right? (laughs) Only for one polling station by compromising everything, right? And that's assuming that you get it at the end of the day uh, and that, you know, people are just trusting that data directly, which I think you had no other choice in that case, it was one of these DRE machines, which stands for direct recording electronic machines for voting machines. And that means that it just records electronically. There's no other trail. Right. What you want when you vote is you want a confirmation that when you hit a button, it registers what you wanted. It's also nice that if they need to audit the votes for whatever reason, that there's a paper that's separate from the actual voting machine's hard drive, right? Right. So that you can recount in a different format. So that's something called uh, direct recorded electronic with voter verified paper audit trails. So a little story in the 2004 election, that we had in Canada, I think it was 2004, maybe it's been 2005, and I was just looking at 2004 information. You know, there's all this scandal about e-voting machines from the states. When I went to vote at my local arena, uh, which was the polling place where I was at, they had 
you make your vote in a secret ballot and then they scan it into a machine and then the machine prints out what you voted as well. So it, and it drops it in. So it, it lets you see what it happens and it drops it in. Now I was waiting on this guy ahead of me and the guy was super paranoid. He's like, no, no, these e-voting machines, you can't trust them. And he said, I want the piece of paper. Like he wanted the piece of paper that was the check and balance to say that the vote went in. And I'm like, dude, you're missing the point. Right? Yeah. If you have the paper, they can't validate your vote from the e-voting machine. Right. Right. What are you going to do with the paper? How are you? <laughs> what's it? What's it going to do for you? The only reason why you'd want a piece of paper is if you sold your vote and you needed it as a receipt for proof in my mm-hmm. mind. Anyways, he was misinformed. Or if you wanted to take it home, photocopy it and start printing out uh, your own. Yeah, it does absolutely no value. And then he's like, well, if I can't have that, then I want my vote canceled. And they're like, can't. No, just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, go home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting, right? And you want a little bit of check and balance for these votes so that you don't get somebody manipulating the electronic system. Yeah, completely. Totally. Just today, the Justice Department in the USA announced that the civil rights divisions are going to deploy more than 500 personnel in 67 jurisdictions in 28 states to validate these these trails right now that's not going to help in the five states that use uh dre machines exclusively right we've got louisiana new jersey georgia south carolina and delaware and those states exclusively use the dre so there are there are other choices. There are lots of other methods. There are really other choices for those states. Apparently, there's a thing that you can do uh, if you go to. This is from a, a Wired video that I watched today. Uh, if you go to verifiedvoting.org, it will actually give you a breakdown of where the voting happens in what format. They have a Which little map so that you can check and see whether it's paper or digital and so on and so forth. I assume it's like Canada though, where you get told where you're going to vote and you get no choice. I also assume that. I think it's just good for, you know, the, the pollsters after the fact, looking at where people voted to understand the technology that was underlying it. Right. That being said, we're talking about huge country. Was it 310 million people in the United States that maybe half of them are going to get off their butts and go vote <laughs> if they haven't already. And if they haven't voted many times, like I saw somebody on Twitter catching somebody doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You have so many different places that have to get compromised that it just doesn't make sense. There, There's a problem of ballot stuffing in the olden days you know there's problems of people that were buying votes you know in the past they went the secret ballots like i'm talking like a long long time ago right so now you have secret votes uh that you don't have to announce what you voted with and you have all these different polling stations so just at scale it doesn't make any sense that this election can be hacked right right so then there's a Really good article on Wired, and it'll be in our show notes that you'll find at in-security.org slash EP043. And it's 
titled Wires Totally Legit Guide to Rigging a Presidential Election. Nice. And it's very, very tongue in cheek, but it talks about all of the checks and balances on top of what I've already discussed. It's a very good read if you think that there's any chance for a rigged election. It talks about how many different people and how many different areas would have to be bought off. There's lawyers. There's, you know, three different people that are at least per polling station looking after the stuff. Take a look or think back, I guess, by the time this gets edited and put out at how many people were involved in the voting at the polling station that you were at if you're in the States. And... You know, it's not all doom and gloom as it sounds. I think they had the example that for Philadelphia, where they had the 1,686 divisions or precincts, right? You had roughly five people that you would need to bribe to keep quiet. This is to get the Philadelphia votes. So you're looking at something like 8,430. I don't know. I'm just trying to cite the article. 8,400 people you'd have to corrupt in Philadelphia alone with no one finding out, even though all of them are doing the jobs in public under the scrutiny of both sides and all candidates. No question. You'd need a whole global conspiracy of bankers to be able to afford that. (laughs) That's a quote from the article. Right. And then and then it talks it talks about like other places where you'd have to get at to compromise I'm pretty confident that there's enough checks and balances in place that uh, hacking hacking the uh, election doesn't seem like a legitimate concern for anybody. It's 100% legitimate. Jet yes, fuel can't is. melt Trump's toupee. <laughs> 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, I am back. Hi. While you were away, conspiracy theorists snuck in and started to yell things into the microphone. Mm. Right. That's not to say that the election process in the United States doesn't have other issues. There's definitely other issues, but they're not electronic. So, you know, maybe we can put that to rest. Let's have a little fun uh, exercise here. What's that? So we've covered a couple of really good ideas. We've still got a couple of minutes left in this show. So we've covered a couple of, uh, of points already. Our points so far for what you should be doing if you wanted to make a secure and functional voting machine, we covered don't have networking on it. Don't have it networked. Don't have it connected to the internet. Don't have it networked between the machines because then even if one gets infected in any way, it doesn't automatically spread to the others. The second one is no networking of any kind. I don't just mean necessarily wired amongst themselves, but definitely no wireless access. Mm -hmm. As secure as you can make it, you don't want anyone to be able to access it unless they have physical access to it. Uh, Turn on logging on the machine. Make sure that the machine captures everything that the machine does. Right. And logging in this case is not going to say specifically this person voted this way because it's supposed to be uh, anonymous. Correct. But it will show any sort of activity that happens on the machine, especially activity that isn't related specifically to voting. So when we talk about logging in standard networked organizations, we say that you always want to get the log off of the machine, right? So you want to avoid the ability for someone to erase those logs. And that's some of the vulnerabilities that were in ESNS systems or Diebold systems or whatever. So there's possibility of logging to something that's a write-only device, right? A little piece of memory that's write-only that would have to be flashed. You can do like an EEPROM. So at least... 
you you know basically and, and what you're logging is like you said not what the votes happened but the system status itself the security logs from that system could get written to something that's a, a write only so there you go logging to write only if it goes missing you know that there's an issue automatically um, logging to write only also makes it so that it can't be tampered right uh, next one secure passwords secure passwords and with that secure encryption methods obviously secure is secure with the star that nothing's really ever going to be secure forever but and like we were saying with the internet of things devices you know all of the problems are around default passwords if that's definitely the weakest way in so make sure that they're different and and set accordingly have some sort of oversight to that make sure you remove the post-it notes with the passwords from the back of the device there you go Updated software. Make sure that you are running on a secure system that is, in fact, up to date. I don't even know that that one's as important as, you know, preventing somebody from being able to plug something into the computer. A voter should not a voter should not be able to plug something into the device. It should require, you know, a key at the very least. So I had that no ports or limited ports. Heck, you could go with some kind of proprietary port. Something mm-hmm. that, you know, people wouldn't necessarily have access to. And even if they do, don't put it on the front of the machine. Don't put it on the faceplate. Put it somewhere where it will be, again, difficult to get access to. And then we also had redundancies. Have redundancies built in. Maybe if you're going to try and go DRE, sorry, if you're going to go direct record electronics, you can include the voter verified paper audit trails. Mm-hmm as an additional level of redundancy. So yep. out of that, do you have anything that uh, that you think you would add, that you think you would put onto this machine, or a way that you think would make it more effective? No, I think you pretty well covered the suggestions. So basically that was our list of all of the points that we came up with as we, as we went through the show. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be super expensive either, right? It doesn't, I mean, it takes some retooling to make these things, but it could be as simple as like an iPad with a printer connected to it that has a voting app that spits out, you know, the vote. Right. It doesn't it doesn't have to be like over the top over engineered. So I'm a big proponent for democracy. I think everybody should get out and vote. You know, don't let the fact that there's a couple people who want to manipulate your vote and there's probably some vulnerabilities keep you from voting. Vote with your heart and have a nice day in lines. Apparently. Max, turn out <laughs> to for what? Turn out to vote. Turn out to vote is and, what you should do. If things don't go your way, you know, Canada's got a pretty good immigration policy. You know, this is a bunch of Syrians in queue already. You ask, you get in line after that. <laughs> Says you have yourself a great week. Thanks, Matt. You have yourself a great week, too. Get the vote, get the vote, get the vote.